Hey everybody, and welcome to the FBC Livingston Podcast. After this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Are you blessed this morning? I am. And, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Baptist people, some of you know how to clap. That's all right. Take your copy of God's Word and go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to be in two chapters this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 6 and the very next one, John chapter 7. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now wait just a second. John chapter 6. Let's stand as we read God's Word. It says, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, hold on just a second. What are these things? When it says these things, he's talking about the miracles that Jesus had been performing. All of those things that Jesus had been doing. So he says, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Verse 4 is very important. It says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Now some of your translations may say feast of the, the booths, feast of the tabernacles. But it says, therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. See, Jesus had a sense of humor. He was testing him. And he says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. For everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these? Feed this many people. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. You may be seated. We're going to look at, go ahead and flip to verse, chapter 7 in just a second. Okay, so Jesus. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. All right, maybe ten to 12,000 people that Jesus has just fed. Okay, and, and it's almost, you, know, you know how when you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and the bread sticks to the top. If it's good, if it's good white bread, it sticks to the top of your mouth. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's okay to smile. It's okay to get into worship, all right? But y'all know what I'm talking about with that. It's almost as if these people, the bread is still stuck to the top of their mouth, and they're just getting it out, and maybe there's some bones in their mouth, and they're getting the bones out of their mouth, and they're just beginning to see the Messiah. They're just beginning to see the miracles. They're just beginning to see the healings that Jesus was doing. See, they're just on the fringe. They're just barely there. They're beginning to see the Messiah. See, the Messiah was becoming very important to them. Let me take it this direction. You know, the more people that believe in you, the more people that support you, the more people that trust you, the more people that's going to hate you. You know that? 
And they're going to hate you with envy. They're going to be envious of you because you have followers, because people like you. See, this is where Jesus is. The, the people are, are beginning to love Jesus, but you, every person in this room, you, you know what's happening to the leaders. You know what's in, in the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know what's them. They're beginning to hate Jesus. See, so when you in life have people beginning to follow you, you better be careful because people are going to hate you as well. Um, the only way to avoid this envy of other people is to keep quiet. The only way for you to keep from people hating you is for you to keep your mouth shut. And maybe we're afraid of opposition. Even though there may be an opportunity for you to stand, what is, what is easier is for you just to keep your mouth shut and not say anything. See, because for many of us, the opposition that's in our lives, can I call it this? It's going to make sense a little bit. But those alligators and those snakes that are trying to get to you, that opposition that is in your life, Sometimes it gets the best of us, does it not? It does me. Sometimes the opposition in my life gets the best of me. So what is it? We have to stand. We have to rise up. As believers in Christ, we have to stand and rise up and say, I can overcome this opposition because of the opportunity that Christ has set before me. So Jesus is now hated in Judea. Of all of these miracles and all of these healings that he's been doing. So, so because of that, don't lose me church, because of that, it's not wise for Jesus to go to Judea. You with me? Because he's in Galilee. And in just a second, we're going to read in chapter 7 where it's not wise for Jesus to go to Judea because his time has not come yet. You know, um, so these people are beginning to really hate Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of ch the, the church kind of hate. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? I'm not talking about the church kind of hate to where, you know, because I'm talking about some serious hate to where they want to kill Jesus. It's one thing to talk about me at the barbershop, but it's a whole other thing to put a, a knife into my chest. Two totally different things. So this kind of hate that they're hating Jesus with they're wanting to kill him. Take his life completely. So therefore, he says, it's not wise for me to go to Judea. Because my time has not yet come. Well, they wanted to kill Jesus. It was a dangerous place. But here's the problem. He's entering into this area. And it's the Feast of Booths. It's the Feast of Tabernacles that is upon them when they get there. Now, now th that could be a whole other sermon. I don't want to get bogged down in the Feast of Tabernacles, but we will maybe later on down the road. But, but what I want you to see from the Feast of the Tabernacles is, what this means is, is that everybody and their brother is going to be in Judea. Right? Everybody and their brother is going to be there. So Jesus has an opportunity to, to stand on the largest stage in the world at that time and speak about the truth but Jesus says, I can't go. My time has not yet come. Isn't it amazing 
when you pray for something and you pray for something, and when it's time to reach it and grab it, there's a threat and there's a risk. You don't know I'm dumb when I say that? Let me give you an illustration. Maybe you've prayed for a career opportunity. And you've prayed for that door to be open. And you, you say, God, if you could give me this gift, it would just be absolutely perfect. But you didn't know that something was going to happen in your family that all of a sudden that perfect job is not perfect any longer. And you thought that you'd be standing there with a new job, but now all of a sudden you're pulled between this, this perfect opportunity of your job and your family. See, anytime God answers your prayers and the opportunity presents itself, that opportunity you've been looking for for 10 years, anytime that God answers your prayers and the opportunity presents itself, there are always going to be opposing factors that happen in your life. Every single time. Even in Jesus' life. See, Jesus was 100% human. He was also 100% God too. But he was, he was like us. He was flesh and blood. And He's dealing with some of this stuff. See, success will oftentimes be stressful because your opportunities come wrapped in opposition. Maybe you finally got everything lined up for school. You got everything lined up with a business you're starting. Maybe you got all of the things lined up in your life that you feel like are supposed to come and something comes and hits you in the back of the head and says, you can't do that. See, the reason I say all that is that Jesus is experiencing this opportunity to speak on this large-scale stage in front of everyone, but there's a risk involved. Go, go, go to John 7. Go, go to John 7. I, I want you to see this. In John chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it says this. It says, After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for He was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill Him. Okay, there it is. That's what I just told you. I don't want you to believe anything I tell you, because I want it to be in the Word. It says, now the feast of the Jews, the feast of the booths, or the feast of the tabernacles, whichever version that you have, therefore his brothers said to him. Now, oh, okay, hold, hold on a second. This, this, when it says brothers right here, it's not talking about his literal brothers. But in just a second, it's going to be talking about his literal brothers. He says, therefore his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. Okay, now, now hold on just a second. You understand that when Scripture talks about disciples, it could be talking about hundreds of people. He's not talking about just the 12 disciples. He could be talking about hundreds of disciples because you know what a disciple is, right? It's just a learner. Very simply, just a learner. So it says, for no one does anything in secret. Now these are his friends saying, for no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. You see where I'm going with it? If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, these things are, are the miracles. He says, if you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers were believing in him. Now, here, right there, and when he says brothers, it's actually talking about his real brothers. Because you know his real brothers didn't even believe in Jesus until a later date. 
And it says, so Jesus said to them, watch this. My time is not yet here. But your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it. That its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. And I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. One more verse. It says, having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. Jesus' advisors. This is important. Jesus' advisors. He said, they told Jesus, he said, you see, see the people that Jesus had been around. They see them and they're, they're saying, okay, but you need to let them see the miracles. You need to let them see when you, when you bring a demon out of someone. You need to let people see that. Really what they're doing is they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, you're doing the right thing the wrong way. Can you imagine? Can you all imagine the audacity of these people that are supposed to be his advisors and they're saying you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it the wrong way. Can you imagine that? Maybe these friends of Jesus, maybe they're thinking about the man at Gadara. You remember I preached about that two weeks ago? Maybe they're thinking about the man at Gadara, the man that was demon-possessed. And Maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're thinking, you know, Jesus, we could have used him. Because you remember, he asked to go with him. And Jesus said, you need to go home. Maybe they're thinking about the last person that they healed. And these people around Jesus were like, you got to face the facts. Your own brother doesn't even believe in you. And maybe they're thinking about the woman that he healed that had the blood problem. Maybe they're thinking, we could have used her testimony. The advisors were like, you keep doing all this stuff in private. Even you're feeding the 5,000, but it's out in the desert. You keep doing all this stuff in private. Gonna, there's a point I'm getting to. Don't lose me. His advisors are like, you've you got to go on center stage. You've got to go to the Feast of the Tabernacles. You've got to go there and speak on the big stage so that people, more people will believe in you and they'll see the Messiah. What did Jesus say? I'm not going there, guys. I'm not going there. Are you listening to me? My time has not yet come. See, I think if Jesus used the word moron, he probably would have used the word moron right here. It's almost like you morons. It's not my time to go. Oh, you can go. They're not going to hate you. You can go. That's what's happening in this text. Jesus says, I'm not going. Look at verse 10. John chapter 7, verse 10, it says this. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up. Oh, watch this now. Not publicly, but privately. Let's read that again. I want you to see this. This is so important. This is a hinge moment in the message. It says, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if it was in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast. 
and were saying, where is he? Remember, when it says the Jews, they're talking about the ones that hate Jesus. They're looking for Jesus. There was much grumbling among the crowd concerning him. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. Okay? Listen. So Jesus starts to put his sandals on. And he sort of sneaks out. Let me make this. God is masterful at hiding things. You say, what? Don't lose me. God is masterful at hiding things. You say, well, Jason, that doesn't make sense. I've heard preachers talk about how he exposes everything and brings everything to the light, and that's true. But God is good at hiding things. We talk about Him exposing things and and we never really talk about how He hides things. He can hide things a whole lot better than my parents could at Christmas time. I knew exactly where my parents' hiding places were. And as I'm sure my children do as well, I'm sure they know, hey, but being in a new place, we'll be able to find new hiding places. There's some good hiding places in this church. They may never find what they're getting for Christmas this year. But think about, think about back to the book of Exodus with Pharaoh. You know how strong Pharaoh was. Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 1 said that all the Hebrew baby boys were to be killed. And of course, the thing about Pharaoh, if you argued with him, he might just not put you in jail. He'd just cut your head off. Pharaoh was in total command. But yet there are two women that lied to him. But remember, Pharaoh said that every male child was to be, before the age of two, was to be killed. A Hebrew child. But God let Moses be born. Okay? In Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, you can go there a little bit later. But they hid him in the house. Hold on now. Don't think about your house with three bedrooms and two bathrooms. Because most of your houses probably have ten rooms. Maybe some of your houses have 25 rooms. I don't know. But don't think about your house. Because the scripture says that they hid him in the house. The house he's talking about is a Hebrew slave house. Do you realize how many rooms a Hebrew slave house has? Maybe two. How do you hide a baby? How would you hide Ferris in one room if I came to your house? You wouldn't do it, would you? Where are you going to hide the baby? God is masterful at hiding things. And then God takes that same baby and puts him in an ark a, a, a mud-covered, wood-framed artifact that was made to put things in that would float. 
So this baby is floating with snakes and alligators and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I mean, he's, he's floating. He's floating with all of these things in this river. Think about this baby now. He's floating down the river. And God hid the baby. I'm coming to a point. Stick with me. God hid the baby from those alligators and from those snakes. See, this was an opportunity with nothing around it but opposition. And God let it flow through some stuff that should have killed the baby. How many of you have gone through something that it should have killed you? I would imagine most of you in this room have gone through something in your life that it should have taken your life. But God kept you alive for a purpose. He hid you. He kept you alive. See, because God sometimes... God will sometimes hide your greatest opportunity in a mess. Of all places to hide Moses, where did he hide him the next time? In the very man's house that wanted to kill him. Can you say praise Jesus, hallelujah, or not? I mean, my goodness, he hid him in the very house that the man was wanting to take his life. Maybe he was right next door. See, I imagine that in my mind, that, G, that, that Moses was right next door to the guy that was wanting to kill him. And not only did he use his daughter to take care of him, but his own mama got to nurse him. You see how good God is at hiding things? God is masterful at hiding things. See, even when God got ready to come to this earth, He hid Himself. He wrapped Himself in flesh. And He didn't move into the palace. He moved into the house of a carpenter. And He, he was born of a virgin Mary. He was born in a barn. And God laid Him in swaddling clothes next to animals and horse manure and they looked everywhere for him, but they couldn't find him. Remember when Jesus walked amongst them and they didn't recognize who he was? See, I'm talking about hidden treasure. God is masterful at hiding things. And, and I got to tell you the best one that just hit me square in the face. You, you want me to go there? You want me to go there? Okay, good. I just asked. I'm going there anyway. I just asked him. God hid his wealth, his wisdom, his inheritance in a place that no one would think. Do you know where he hid it? In me. In me. And if you call Him Father, He hides it in you as well. Somebody ought to be jumping up and down shouting because I mean that's just crazy. That's just nuts because 
He hid his wealth and his wisdom and his inheritance and he put it where nobody would think about it being and he hid it in you and he hid it in you and he hid it in you because the word says in Ephesians 1 it says I pray that their eyes and understanding might be enlightened so, okay, so that they're not in the dark anymore that they might know what is the hope of his calling and what is his riches in the inheritance of the saints let me give you another one. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. See, it's hidden inside of you. Watch this. Watch this. There's a solution to your problem. You think we all have problems in this room? You better believe it. Could it be that the answer is hidden inside of you? Let me say what let me explain what I mean. The wisdom that you seek outside of you, could it be that it's inside of you? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you call him Father, you know Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the instructor. The Holy Spirit is my counselor. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads me. Let's go back to Judea just for a second. And I'm going to finish. Before the people in Judea, before they knew it, Jesus was standing on center stage. Now, in Judea, at the feast, with all of these people, Jesus begins to teach, and they were looking for Him, but Jesus walked right past them. Because Scripture says that the Jews were looking for Him because they wanted to kill Him, but Jesus... Can you imagine that? That Jesus just walked right through this huge crowd of people at the Feast of the Tabernacle, and nobody knew who He was. Until it was too late for those leaders. And Jesus is teaching. And He's telling about the truth. And He's telling about His Father. They were looking for Jesus, but God hid Him. And Jesus seized the opportunity because no longer did He see opposition. See, Jesus was no longer concerned about the risk. The opportunity was too great. <laughs> when are you and I going to get there? When are you and I going to get to that point to where we say the opportunity is too great to worry about the risk? We close this text and Jesus is now standing in front of the stage in front of his haters and he's speaking to all the people of the world that have gathered around him Church family, if you don't mind swimming through some alligators and through some snakes, you'll get to where you need to go. So you can swim right to where God wants you to be. You could be like Moses. 
You could be educated like the Egyptians, except he's Hebrew, and he comes out speaking all kinds of languages, and he has this, this huge amount of authority and leadership because God let him swim through the snakes because God hid him because there was a purpose. So you can stand in that position of authority as well. You can do what God is calling you to do. If you can see the opposition as an opportunity. And I promise I'm finishing. God hid Jesus to get him to where he needed to be. You know what? If God is calling you Sometimes you look at it and all you see is opposition. You see hard things. You see alligators and you see snakes. Could it be that the Father is going to hide you to get you where you're supposed to be? Can I just be really honest with you as my family? Because that's what you are. The Father has hidden me before. To get me to where I'm supposed to be. See, because if you're stuck, you're stuck in a place and you're afraid of the opposition, I want to encourage you to keep moving. To keep going. To not stop. To keep going. Because listen to me. If you know Jesus as your Savior, there is a perfect plan that our Father has for each one of you. He may have to hide you to get you there. But don't be afraid of it. I've spent enough time in my life being afraid. Don't be afraid of it. Allow the Father to push you through that opposition to push you through the alligators and the snakes. Allow Him to push you through and even times hide you. You know what, church family? He may have to hide our church a little bit. He may have to hide our church a little bit to get us where we're supposed to be. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Key to this, if you trust the Father, if you trust Jesus as He leads. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about our church, please go to www.fbclivingston.com. We'll see you soon.